Hello, everyone. I'm Harvey Brownstone, and today's guest is an immensely popular actor, producer, director, and former wrestler who's been dazzling us for years with his charismatic performances, personality, and creativity. On the big screen, we all know and love him as Dewey Riley in the iconic Scream movies, for which he won a Teen Choice Award and two Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. He won a third Blockbuster Entertainment Award for his performance in Never Been Kissed. He's also co-starred in many other movies, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Airheads, Wild Bill, Beautiful Girls, The Grey Zone, A Foreign Affair, Once Upon a Time in Venice, and On Sacred Ground. And he won a Best Supporting Actor Award from the Southampton International Film Festival for his memorable performance in Saving Flora. He also wrote, produced, directed, and appeared in one of my all-time favorite comedy horror movies, The Tripper. On TV, you've seen him in dozens of shows, including The Outsiders, Parenthood, Double Rush, In Case of Emergency, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, Cleaners, for which he won two prestigious Best Actor Awards. And of course, he was the voice of Scully in the beloved Disney Channel animated series, Captain Jake and the Neverland Pirates, for which he won a Behind the Voice Actor Award. He's also executive produced many TV shows, including Dirt, Cougar Town, and the popular game show Celebrity Name Game, for which he received a Daytime Emmy Award nomination in 2017. His appearance in the movie Ready to Rumble launched his professional wrestling career in which he won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and culminated in the fascinating 2020 documentary, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. In addition to all that, our guest owns the rights to the beloved Bozo the Clown character and has launched a number of projects to keep Bozo's legacy alive and to promote the joyful and healing benefits of humor. I'm delighted to welcome the one and only David Arquette to our show. David, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you, Harvey. That's such a sweet introduction. I appreciate it. David, you come from one of America's most prominent acting families. Your grandfather was Cliff Arquette, and there's your wonderful siblings, Rosanna, Patricia, Richmond, and our beloved Alexis, whom we lost in 2016. How in the world did so much talent come out of one family? Uh, that's sweet. We're actually fourth generation. So our family goes back to vaudeville. My grandmother and grandfather, great grandmother and great grandfather performed in vaudeville so i guess they say we're nepo babies now <laughs> whatever that means but i feel honored to be able to entertain people for a living our, our family our parents growing up really had a strong focus on creativity and self-expression and being ourselves and you know we had the a passport to be emotional and be humorous and just kind of uh run the gamut. Well, and the one trait that I see in the entire family is warmth. Now, I know you worked with Patricia in an episode of The Medium in 2011, and with your father in Scream 2, and with your brother Richmond in Scream 3, but have you worked with your family in any other shows? I can't recall. No, I really wish I had worked. For, I mean, Alexis was a DJ in the in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer as just on one day, which was really fun. But I never got to work with Rosanna yet. I'd love to do that. One time we did a 
documentary, like a spoof documentary with uh, Jonathan Winters, all of the family members, because he was friends with our grandfather before he passed. So that was fun. Oh, I'd love to see that sometime. Now, <laughs> you know, David, I don't know whether you've ever looked at your Wikipedia page, but it says that you had an unusual upbringing. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think we did. You know, I was born on a commune in Virginia. And yeah, I mean, I think everyone born in the 70s had an unusual upbringing. <laughs> Who are our, our uh, my fashion icons growing up were Elvis and uh, Sly, uh, the family Stone, and Liberace. So it's no surprise that I gravitated toward dressing like a clown <laughs> well one of the things you loved doing as a kid was being a graffiti artist correct yeah yeah we did graffiti in los angeles really early and a couple of our crew members uh gajin fujita specifically has a great art show on in venice right now at la louvre gallery so yeah we we did graffiti and it's really amazing. He invites us over and we get to sort of tag and like sort of participate in some of his paintings, which is really fun. You actually take art very seriously. You were trained in the Bob Ross technique of landscape painting and you're a certified Bob Ross instructor, which I think is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I use it mainly for for charity. This is a piece I did of David. It's like a graffiti stencil. That's amazing. The eyes. Uh, yeah, and this is another piece I'm doing right now. This really interesting clown. Oh, it's is a, that JFK? Yeah, it's JFK. I'm doing a bunch of people who have unfortunately been killed by gunfire. I have JFK, I have John Lennon. Too many. Yeah, too many. Now, of course, you're so strongly associated with the Scream movies. What was it like making your last Scream movie without Wes Craven? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard losing people because you miss them so much. And, you know, you love them and you just wish you, you could have them around more and, and ask them questions. And But uh, there were moments definitely that I feel it, felt his energy on set. I don't know if people have seen it, but spoiler alert, so you might want to change, but my character doesn't make it through the last scream, so the fifth scream, so it was it was emotional, but it was cathartic as well, knowing that that Wes's legacy would continue with this incredible character he'd created. Did Wes Craven give you any advice when you started directing? Yeah, on the tripper, he gave me tons of advice. He gave me a list of films like Don't Look Back or you know, Suspirio, like all these interesting films to watch way back. The Haunting, just things to, for, and, and give me advice on the script and how to tone it down, rewrite it, like how to take notes and uh, make it more suitable. When you meet your fans, do you find yourself having to console them because we, everybody's so upset that they killed off our beloved Dewey? Yeah, I mean, it's been a really beautiful experience. It's kind of, people have been emotional and it was a hard thing. It kind of like, I think it was the point of the filmmakers to really sort of emotionally kind of 
like affect them. But it's funny, but it's been sweet. I mean, I meet people that have met and they went on their first date and now they've been married all these years. So it's just really a beautiful thing to to be part of sort of something that's beloved in a pop culture sense for so long. Well, for me, it was doubly difficult because we were also terribly upset when you were almost killed during a wrestling match and then your character gets killed off. Some people were even more upset about Dewey dying than they were about you almost dying. I know. I know. I made that. I, I tweeted something like, at some point. I'll say, I do believe people are more upset. But yeah, I had something called a death match in the documentary, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And yeah, I, I went bad and I, you know, took a light, a broken light tube into my neck. And <laughs> that was interesting. I I had, at that point, when after I was recovering, I really had to ask myself, why am I beating myself up so much? And that sort of goes in terms of that and also just in general throughout my life. So that's an important question to ask and continue to ask. Now, I know you filmed Scream 5 during the pandemic, so you didn't have a lot of socializing with the cast and crew. Did you get any kind of farewell celebration? I mean, after all, this was a pretty monumental exit from a big movie franchise. Yeah, I mean, they were really sweet, but I left early and they had the rest of the film to shoot. And we had a dinner before I left, but... No, I mean, ultimately, it was weird because it was during COVID. So there was, there's an element of my character like lives in a trailer and he's kind of like his life didn't sort of turn out the way it seemed. So during the filming, I was in this one hotel and I had a little kitchenette. I was cooking for myself every night. And I was kind of like not seeing anybody. And I'd go, I'd do the scene and my character dies. I have one more scene to do after that. And I just remember going back and just kind of sitting with it. It's It was a very, something I had to process alone, or I ended up processing alone. Well, I think one of the reasons people loved you so much in the role of Dewey is that he was one of those characters that people kind of underestimated. And sometimes I think that's been true for you too at certain points in your career, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think that a lot of that is also a lot of it's in our head and a lot of it's it's good to take, to drive you, you know, to sort of prove yourself and stand up for yourself and believe in yourself. But aside from that, I think I try not to be very judgmental. I try to like be more, I don't know, see it from other people's sides sometimes. I know there's so much divisive kind of rhetoric right now and so many people at each other i think it's going to be fun when we can all start laughing again with each other and really enjoying everybody's unique individuality that's for sure when you were on james corden's show a while back you said that some of your favorite movies were the ones that were not big hits what were some of your favorite roles a dream of the fishes was definitely one of my favorite John's was a really impactful film early on. The Gray Zone was really powerful to be a part of and a really powerful film that I think people should get a chance to see. Then there's been other ones. 
I have some stuff coming up that I'm really excited about. I'm on a show called Mrs. Davis that premiered on the um, April 20th. It's on Peacock, and it's, <laughs> I got to play a magician in it, which I always have loved magic and have been a fan of magic. So to do that was was a dream, and got to work with Betsy Gilpin, who's such a talented, incredibly talented actress. Oh, I can't wait to see Mrs. Davis, and I'd love to see you as a magician. One thing that I got to say, you surprised all of your fans. You had the guts and the stamina to appear in season 13 of Dancing with the Stars, and you danced with Kim Johnson. What was that experience like? I mean, I know you're in shape, but that's hard. Oh, yeah, you get in the best shape of your life. It's pretty amazing because you actually do, you, they essentially transform you into a, a professional athlete. Now you're you're dancing for like eight hours a day. I mean, it's pretty intense. And as the longer you go, but I always want, I've always loved like, you know, Gene Kelly and, you know, just old school Hollywood and the element of the studio system where you would learn dances and you would learn to sing to a certain degree. And, you know, that whole old, old era of Hollywood. So that's why I wanted to do it. And, just to get in shape and and to experience that it was fun it was kind of a it's pretty exhausting and taxing <laughs> it's pretty like if i hear the the sound the oh my god i get super nervous there's things that they don't tell you like it's really hard, hard to hear the music so if it's really hard to hear the music for me like to count and if you like can't hear the music over the crowd and you lose track of your count, then it's like very hard to stay on. Keep all those little details <laughs> together. I never even thought of that. It must be terribly hard. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. And you do like, you do things where you'll practice to like the, the recording of queen that you've always remembered. But then when they play it, it's not Freddie Mercury singing. It's not the same, you know, constructed song it's you're not hearing the same elements in the original recording so it's just really hard to to map that out if i had done it again i'd make sure i had an earpiece in to hear the music because i can't i couldn't hear. and i'm dyslexic so it's like left feet right feet <laughs> you did really really well david and Thank you know I know there's been a lot of talk about your wrestling career, but I got to tell you that the thing that stood out for me the most about your time as a wrestler was that you donated all the money you made during your time with World Championship Wrestling to support the families of wrestlers who either died or became severely disabled from wrestling. I think that was such an incredibly generous thing to do, and I just want to applaud you for that publicly. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, wrestling's a really beautiful community. And all the it's really interesting. Like all the people behind the scenes and who are a part of it and all the wrestlers, all the announcers, they all loved wrestling as kids. So they went into it as a business. I tell, you know, schools whenever I talk to students, like one of the most important exchanges I've ever had was my friends elementary school teacher and he invited me to career day one time so i came to the Brendo school in los angeles and was talking to them and and i said well beyond acting there's so many different like jobs within the the film industry there's grips and there's electric and there's 
editors and there's cinematographers and there's publicists and there's agents and managers. So all of these different businesses have all of these different opportunities. And one of the kids really took it to heart and his name was Joshua. And he actually was uh, a grip on Mrs. Davis. So he'd been working, he was on a big show and it was like, you'd said that and here I am. <laughs> so that was a really beautiful experience. It just shows you how you can affect someone's life in a comment that really isn't all that difficult for you to make, but somebody else, it resonates. And of course, that brings me to your love of clowns. Tell me about your love of clowns. Yeah, I grew up in, uh, I was born on a commune, but then after that, we moved to Chicago and uh, I was like three or four and I just fell in love with Bozo the Clown. Bob Bell was playing Bozo the Clown on WGN at the time. And shortly after that, we had gone to Ringling Brothers and I saw the circus and Lou Jacobs, another really famous clown, was performing there. And I thought it was all this this same world. You know, Bozo's world was part of Ringling Brothers, like to, in my head. So I just loved that world. And, and magic was a part of that and all of these sort of fantastic things and acrobatics juggling and you know all of this so i've always fell in love with it and 15 years ago i i found larry Harmon, who was the man that brought bozo the clown from a record at capitol records in a cartoon to live action and made all the cartoons and created the new bozo the, the world's most famous clown and so it took me 15 years to finally secure the rights and finally be able to to do it. And it's been a really beautiful experience. I'm doing a lot of work with Healthy Humor, which is a, a group of medical clowns. They're clowns that go into hospitals and they just sort of transform the energy in a hospital. They're just there's a healing energy, there's laughter, they you know, let the the kids in there sort of pick the what they're doing, the songs that they'll sing, or like they're in charge so they can they can say, we don't want to see you today, whatever it is. But uh, Healthy Humor just does amazing work in 15 hospitals throughout the country. And we're looking to help expand them. So that's part of Bozo's big mission. And that's such an important mission. You've been studying to be a clown. Do you think that your acting is impacted by what you've learned as a clown? Yeah, absolutely. Clown is really a beautiful art form. It's a really old art form. It's it's really about capturing the sparkle in your eyes and in your heart, that sparkle that you had as a child, that sort of wonder of the world, that joy, that laughter, that silliness, that, you know, uh, spontaneity, like that, all of those things are where your clown lives and that still lives inside you. So it's about getting in touch with that, that sweet, um, you know, innocent, also jealous and angry, you know, but it's from a kid, you know, if you're a kid, it's not as threatening or scary. So we're really trying to help bring back the kind clown and the fun, silly clown. We're doing music with Bozo right now. And we've got a coffee coming out with Breakfast with Dominic's, a Bozo the Clown flavored coffee, which uh, is flavored, I believe it's like caramel corn flavored coffee. So I'm really excited about that. Yes, I am going to ask you about that. As a matter of fact, right now, the coffee is coming out from HollywoodBlends.com. It commemorates the legacy of Bozo the Clown. It's called the Big Top Blend. It's a medium roast with a caramel corn flavoring. Whose idea was that to launch the new line of coffee? 
I think it was Dominique, the the woman behind this brand. Yeah, she really she does all these endorsement deals with like all of my favorite people, everyone from like Harold Lloyd. She's got friend. Joan Crawford, oh, Ava Gardner, Ava Gardner, Boris Karloff. Oh There's a Betty Davis coffee coming out. Yeah. And oh. really the best thing about the coffee, besides the fact that it's really excellent coffee, is that a portion of the sales revenue from the new Bozo Big Top Blend Coffee will support Healthy Humor, which is an organization of professional performers whose mission is to create moments of joy, wonder, laughter, and comfort for hospitalized children and others who are most in need of laughter in their lives. David, you've also been involved with a wonderful organization that promotes children's mental health called On Our Sleeves. Tell me about oh, yeah. that. Oh, honestly, it's incredible. I worked with them last year on the International Day of Kindness. And we just did like five acts of kindness in the five days leading up to the International Day of Kindness. And we did an event in Los Angeles. It's an amazing resource. You can go to onoursleeves.org and they have resources for parents. So if you're having trouble, sort of your your kids are, are being challenged and how to communicate with them. They have like this set of cards where you, it just is an open sort of conversation starters just to get dialogue. So sometimes it's hard to just engage and have your kids open up. So it, it helps in that process. It tells you things like, don't judge what they say. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, you know, if you could be anywhere on the planet right now, where would you be? And you let them go. And there's ways of helping you encourage the conversation things like that but they also have video and resources on what to do if somebody's you know having uh mental difficulties or medical challenges and certain things like that well now david in our remaining moments i want to give a quick shout out to your amazing wife christina who's a highly yeah. respected producer she produced a tv series about magic johnson that i loved it's called they call me magic wasn't that fantastic it was fantastic. I'm so proud of her. She is such an incredible producer. She started as a journalist. She went to NYU and then worked uh, local news and then up to Entertainment Tonight. And that's sort of when I had met her. And the, her, the, the sort of skill set that she got from being a reporter fits so perfectly with producing. I was just blown away. She's so incredible. Well, another documentary that Christina made was called Survivor's Guide to Prison. Now, David, you probably don't know this about me, but for 26 years, I was a criminal court judge. Oh, wow. Wow. And I think that film, Survivor's Guide to Prison, is an incredibly important and realistic piece of education that everybody needs to see. Please thank Christina on my behalf. Oh, uh, I sure will. Thank you so much. We also have another film that's out right now called The First Step. It follows Van Jones. It's a project about his his bill that he got passed, the First Step Act, and it he it was a bipartisan bill. He had to go across the aisle and work with the Trump administration, and they passed this bill. And it's getting a lot of criticism, but it's a really super important bill, and, and thousands of of people that have been imprisoned have in the federal system or have been released. It's the numbers are really great on, 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 you know, the recidivism of that group specifically. So, you know, in a country where 
you know, we're supposed to be the land of the free and we lock up more people than anyone else on the planet. It's important that we start figuring out different solutions to our problems with crime and, and mental health issues. And just in general, just uh, if we can help people find some happiness and some self-worth, self-love and purpose, you know, so they feel driven and just so they hopefully can be creative or do something uh, physical to, to get out there in the world, take a hike or something. You know, David, it's such a pleasure to see this side of you because you're acting, of course, you're locked into a role. When I've seen you on talk shows, you're often doing very comedic kind of questions. I get so nervous on those things. I get like, when I'm in front of a live audience, I think I take on their energy. So I, I literally just makes me go like this. I don't, so everyone thinks I'm like always wacky. I'm more nervous, I think. Well, I just love seeing the inside of your soul that you're showing us today because you know, you're you're a very gifted actor. You push yourself to do things that most people wouldn't have to do, would never dare to do. There's the wrestling. And then you have this amazing marriage with a woman who is an artist, but she has a social conscience. She's trying to make the world a better place. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I've enjoyed every moment of this opportunity to discuss your career, the work you're doing with Bozo. You're bringing back humor and joy and happiness into our lives, and we need it. And I thank you so much for taking the time to appear on our show. Uh, thank you, Harvey. You're so kind. And you just dropping a little, and I was a judge for 25 years is incredible. So thank you for your show, and thank you for all you do. My pleasure. Our guest has been the amazingly multi-talented David Arquette. You can follow him on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also follow Bozo the Clown at the official website, bozo.com. And Bozo has a page on Facebook and Instagram. And there's even a Bozo the Clown YouTube page. And don't forget to check out the Bozo the Clown Big Top blend of caramel corn-flavored coffee at hollywoodblends.com. My name is Harvey Brownstone. Thank you to our producer, Steve Silver, my director of programming, Deborah Batsafin, my PR director, Laurie Towers, and my entire team at the XPTV1 network in the UK. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for watching. Be sure to check out all the great interviews on the Harvey Brownstone Interviews YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when new videos are posted.